to Steppin' on the Beach, the only place to read your emails and tweets. It's Wednesday, June 24th. I'm Jay Skeets, and alongside me, ready to dip his toes in the water, it's Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, hey yo. yo. The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. Last but not least, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Keep those questions coming, guys. Email us, nodunks at theathletic.com. Or, if you want, tweet them in, at nodunksinc, or use the hashtag nodunks. And Lee, you have confirmed that you will be popping a pack today, a fresh new pack at 3 p.m. Eastern on Instagram Live. I assume you have a guest lined up? I do have a guest lined up. He's a four-time All-Star, but he's coached. 1,999 games of NBA basketball. Never won a championship, though. Yeah. Okay, okay. Very, How many first names does he have? (laughs) Great question. He has two first names. In fact, fact, uh, we know his son quite well, too. Hmm. (laughs) Okay, 3 p.m. Eastern on our Instagram account. Lee, pop in a pack with this special mystery guest. We haven't figured it out. We'll call it Wayback Wednesday today, seeing it's not Thursday throwback. Mm. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, days mean nothing. Exactly, point. exactly. So, all right, check that out. All right, we got some great questions once again here. First one. Hey, No Dunks crew. There are a few NBA awards that stand above the rest. Winning an MVP or finals MVP can act as a crown jewel for a player's Hall of Fame case. The thing about the finals MVP is it doesn't have to go to a Hall of Fame caliber player. Andre Iguodala in 2015 is a good example of a very good player having an incredible four games and walking away with it. It raised the overall bar of his resume. One all-star appearance, championship contributions, career counting stats to a quasi Hall of Fame level resume. So my question, which player's NBA resume would benefit most from a finals MVP award? Your biggest fan in my house that's from adam r boyd adam r boyd who can benefit from a finals mvp in orlando Mm, i like this question um it's it's i think there's a lot of options i'm not gonna lie like i could have like had a list of like 10 to 12 guys here of course a finals mvp is gonna help any sort of borderline hall of fame potential player uh their chances of getting in but I, i narrowed it down to three the first one, you can drop me with a homer if you want, Lee, but it is Kyle Lowry. Um, because we've debated already his Hall of Fame probability, uh, you know, whether he could get in. He's sort of Chauncey Billups-like, who has, of course, a Finals MVP, but Lowry, six-time All-Star, only one All-NBA selection, not the most insane counting stats, you know, um, but a Finals MVP, especially if it would be paired with another title, so now he would be a two-time champ. And then also finals MVP. Okay, I think that would almost like maybe not lock him in, but damn, that would uh, boost the resume. The other two guys, LaMarcus Aldridge, who's got a fascinating already sort of case uh, when it's all said and done. He's a seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, but never first team, um, has scored nearly 20,000 points. I don't know what you guys think. Like, is LaMarcus Aldridge a lock for the Hall of Fame? I don't think he's Uh, playing, right? He's had surgery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking not even just this uh, championship, you know, mm. run in Orlando. I'm like, I'm talking about the years moving forward here, too. Um, but I don't know. Is he, uh, is he a lock to get in? I don't know. 
I think I think uh, I think we've t- discussed him before. He's more just going to get in and through longevity. I think you know he's been around forever. He's got the respect. He's been the all star. What did you say? Six times, I think. Seven time all star. Seven times. Time. Yeah. Okay. I, anyway, I, so he gets a Finals MVP. I mean, yeah. I, he's almost at, maybe at that point he is luck. Oh, that's and a then luck the, if he gets a Finals MVP. I would think. Sure. Right. Because you, of course, you get the Finals MVP. You, you also get the get title. title. Yeah, yeah, that's a big part. And then the other one, I'll just close it out here with uh, Jimmy Butler. Um, who is already a five-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, four-time All-Defense, career averages 17-5-3. You know, he won a title, and he was the best player on his team to get a Finals MVP. That really helps his case, because he's really, when you think about it, Jimmy is like Clay Thompson with no titles and less scoring, but more defensive accolades. Um, and But then he sort of lacks in the legendary games and moments that sort of a clay has. So, I don't know. Those are my three guys, Lowry, Aldridge, and Butler. And again, I wasn't looking at just this year if they play in Orlando. I sort of was looking ahead. But who else would you guys add to the list? Well, I think Jimmy Butler's a great one. I had him on my list. This is a, a weird one that I feel is kind of along Andre Iguodala lines. But if Dwight Howard were able to somehow get a finals MVP, you know, maybe Anthony Davis goes down with an injury. We got to see a lot more Dwight in the finals. And he puts up 2010s with his incredible defense. I mean, I think he's a lock for the Hall of Fame. I know yeah. you guys do as well. But there are a lot of people out there who do not think that's the case. But if Dwight gets a title and... A finals MVP late in his career. People are putting him in, no doubt about it, because a lot of his accolades came before some of these youth got on the internet and started talking about <laughs> basketball. That's old guy talk, but a finals MVP, it'd be like Bill Walton when he won uh, sixth man of the year after his career had really peaked with the Blazers when he finally got sixth man with uh, the Celtics. Just another little bit of a cherry on the top. And the last guy that I would suggest, Ben Simmons. I think he could win a finals MVP in the same way that Andre Iguodala did by uh, excelling on the defensive end, really taking somebody out of their game, and then also contributing offensively. And I think that if he were to lead the Sixers to a title, and if he was the one that won finals MVP, I think there would be no more questions about can you win with Ben Simmons? Is he a good player? Is he actually an all-star caliber guy? Is he a max level player? You put a finals MVP on him and it looks pretty good. I think uh, I think that good choice is another one whose career would really benefit is Derek Rose because he's the borderline Hall of Famer. Some people think he will get in, some people won't because he's an MVP and he would be the first MVP not to get in. Uh, we've seen him in the last couple of seasons be- become somewhat resurgent, coming off the bench, playing a role there. Now, if he was to go to a team like the Lakers, who you know he was reportedly uh, close to adjoining, um, and was to then somehow also pull off the MVP, I think that then automatically puts him in the Hall of Fame. And I think right now he's on the outer. So something like this could really uh, send him in there. So um, I think now that's unlikely, of course, to happen again because of the position he plays and and whichever team he would join. But if he was to somehow just have uh, an incredible final series and win it, then I I think that uh, that does get him into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I went uh, with older guys because I I wanted to be able to debate this as their resume right now, if they got a Finals MVP, and this is basically the extent of their resume, uh, because there's some you know some young guys that are borderline, like sort of like Iguodala, I guess was somewhat uh, five years ago. Um, but I wanted to be able to say, hmm, if Paul Millsap, a four-time All-Star, <laughs> becomes a Finals MVP, would he get in? Hmm. Toughy, real toughy. He's 34 yeah. years old, and, and I think I picked Millsap uh, because there's a legitimate chance, you know, with the Nuggets that maybe Nikola Jokic 
COVID-19 aside, just doesn't become a number one scoring guy on their team. He loves passing the ball. Jamal Murray, maybe not hot. Paul Millsap can sneak in there and, and, and pop 25 a night and win it. Uh, and then I picked another guy. You mentioned the Lakers, Lee. Rajon Rondo, no chance that he is going to uh, become finals MVP, but he's one of those borderline guys, especially because he played with great players in the Celtics. He got an NBA championship. He's a four-time All-Star. He would have two titles uh, if he won this one um, you know, with a Lakers team, and he'd be the only player in NBA history to win a title with the Lakers and the Celtics, if I am <laughs> correct there. And so he, I think he'd just get an automatic entry just because of the storied <laughs> franchises that he won those championships with but uh he's an interesting one uh, he's he's a little like Dwight I think I mean to some degree that he's polarizing like you either love Rondo or you yeah. you don't but uh yeah without without it uh, without another championship I I don't think Rondo gets in he he would need something special to happen here in his mid 30s yeah, I'm with you. I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame, but if you put a, another title in a Finals MVP, then I definitely think he's a lock. It's that easy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're able to space out your success over the quarter of over the course of a decade, it's awesome. Yeah, it's like Iguodala. Mm-hmm. No chance. In, in 2015, in May of 2015, before he becomes a Finals MVP, is he a Hall of Famer? No chance. No. Um, no. But then, boom. It's not just the finals MVP, though, too. I mean, he's won so many titles now and was Mm -hmm. pretty instrumental in a lot of them, to be honest. But, no, I'm with you. Before that, there's no chance that people would have been like, like, yeah, he should be in the Hall of Fame. No way. No way. Great question, Adam. Great start to this beach stepping. Next one. It's from Tyler B. Hey, no diggity dunkers. With the season resuming soon, hopefully, uh, who is one player that you'd like to see signed? Potatoes, make them fries, dip them. Again, that's from Tyler. <laughs> Who do you want to see on a roster if this does kick off in Orlando? Speaking of Tyler, there's a Tyler who just signed. The transaction window <laughs> just opened on Tuesday. The Brooklyn Nets released Theo Pinson, and they signed Tyler Johnson, old lefty guard, old water bug, uh, who's been out <laughs> of the league for a, for a little bit. He was a son, and he was a Miami Heat before then. There's some minor transactions we can go through here. The Rockets released Isaiah Hartenstein. No big ball anymore. They went to a wing with David Nwaba replacing him. He's not even playing this year. He'll be playing next year. But they like Nwaba's defense, playing alongside Harden and Westbrook mm-hmm. in the future. The Grizzlies signed vet Anthony Tolliver for the rest of the season. King signed vet Corey Brewer for the rest of the season. And the biggest move, the Lakers' Avery Bradley announced he will not play in Orlando He's got a six-year-old son who has respiratory problems and wouldn't be able to join the bubble because of those issues. And so Avery Bradley decided he'd rather be home with him. A Lakers guard who started 44 games uh, this season has decided not so much on the social justice side, which was a a discussion a couple weeks ago when he was on the call with Kyrie Irving saying maybe we should all stay home and deal with the issues at home. He says uh, it's because of his six-year-old son. So uh, lots of talk out there about who's replacing him. And J.R. Smith, there's that name again. Yeah, baby. Uh, could be replacing him. There was a talk earlier in the season that J.R. Smith would be signed by by the Lakers. They went with Dion Waiters instead. I would just say if they sign J.R. Smith, he's not playing. I think, I think if the Lakers are going into Orlando, they're saying we're going with the guys who got us here and – 
Avery Bradley was definitely one of those guys starting 44 games, but when he was injured this year, Contavious Caldwell-Pope started for him, and he played pretty well. His splits are actually really good as a starter, so I think he would be in that starting spot. You already have Dion Waiters uh, to be your sort of younger shot maker like J.R. Smith. They went after Reggie Jackson. They went after the retired Darren Collison. They couldn't get them, so... I just think no matter who this is, they will miss Avery Bradley to some degree, no matter who is on the bench as their fifth, sixth guard isn't going to play anyway. Yeah, you got to you got to try and get minutes from Alex Caruso too. Right. Yeah, I heard he the- was uh, better than Lou Williams now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Saw that going around on Twitter. Yeah, uh, well, but you're right, Tess. It's like it's kind of like um, you know with with J.R. Smith. You're hoping that he has a swaggy P for the Clippers game when they had that huge comeback, and he just gets hot for a quarter. And you know, I think he is a more likely candidate just because LeBron trusts him, despite the fact that one of the most recent times we've seen him playing with LeBron, LeBron is like, "What are you doing, man?" Yeah. That being said, you know, I I think I would take my chances with JR uh as well, even more so than Deion Waiters, but uh, you know, I guess at least Waiters played this season. Hey, at least we got a Magic Johnson tweet out of this, right? <laughs> yeah. See that, Lee? Quote, the Lakers losing Avery, Avery Bradley is a tough loss and will make it more difficult for them to win the championship. <laughs> Classic. He hasn't yep. lost a step, Magic. Nope. Fantastic stuff. Hell of a point, Magic. <laughs> it definitely will be tougher. I'll, uh, you know, I'll go to bat for Jamal Crawford. I don't care if he's, uh, what, 40 years old? Turned 40 in March? I turned 40 in August. There's a connection there, you know? He last played for Phoenix and a couple of years ago, 18, 19, I think it was. But he's still... You can't tell me he's still not a bucket, you know? He... In fact, I would guarantee you if he was on your playoff roster and he got some spot minutes here or there, Jamal Crawford could still win you a quarter in a big playoff game. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, just pop off for like eight or nine points in a little stretch here and maybe get you, get you over the hump in a quarter or a half or something like that, so... Jamal Crawford, put him on a roster. Yeah, well, Everybody loves Jamal. He had 51 in his uh, in his last NBA game yeah, against the Mavs. Right. So, you know, right. he can get it. Uh, a guy I'm going with is another 40-year-old. He turned 40 this year, Mike Miller. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but lately on social media, there was a little uh, clip of him going up against, like, um, recruits. And he still had some game. He was getting mm-hmm. some buckets, too. He was knocking in threes. And he was doing it wearing sweats and a, and a cap on backwards. So <laughs> you put him on the court. And we saw him in the finals, what, against uh, the Thunder. He hit five threes and he hit one with a, well, only one shoe on at one point. Right. So this guy, and he knows he's played with LeBron, so he can go and join the Lakers. Uh, if he's he on tweeted, the court. He tweeted last night. He tweeted LeBron and said, open roster spot, question mark, King <laughs> there James. You, there you go. There you go. It's all coming together. And, uh, and Mike, you know, look. All he needs to do is hit threes, and he can do that, man. I, I, I'm sold on this video. I saw this uh, shady little video <laughs> that who knows when it was really shot. But, um, yeah, I think he'd be great. I think he could still make a little contribution out there to someone. And, again, you talk about winning a quarter with Jamal Crawford. Well, that's, that's what Mike Miller can do for you too, hit four or five threes in a quarter. Great. Sign him up. Well, if the Lakers don't want him, he can interview with the Knicks for their head coaching job. Yeah. <laughs> Are you also sold, Lee, on this uh, new photo of um, the Loch Ness Monster? Ah, uh, yes, Nessie? of course. Yeah, yeah? Okay. yeah, yeah, he's back. <laughs> All right, I just wanted to check. I think other shooters, too, that you could throw in here that somebody would want on your roster. Like, why not if they can get hot from three? C.J. Miles um, should be back and good to go from his injury. And Alan Crabb. Is another guy that at times has uh, been a pretty dominant three-point shooter. He struggled also at times, but one of those two guys, I could see them just being on your roster and break in case of emergency and throw them in there and see if they can hit some threes and stretch the floor a little bit. Anyone else, Tass? 
Same with Gerald Green. He's out there as well. He should be healed from having a broken foot before the season. Basically, the only team that can't sign him is the Rockets. But as you can see with the players that we're all picking, it's just got to be somebody who shoots threes. You know, throw them out there. Hopefully, they get hot. And that's all you're looking for when you're signing a guy to be your 15th man. Yeah, I don't think you want a guy who's uh, doing too much out there when we're looking at this stretch of of games here that's just not a ton of... Uh, time to get acclimated so I, I think we're all talking about vets old dudes who've done it before and I think uh, Nick Young would be a, a guy that the the Nuggets could even use because I don't know he could win a quarter for them he's 35 he's a champ he did the same thing for the Warriors a couple years ago the Nuggets actually signed him afterwards uh, and uh, you know our man John Hollinger went through all the players every single player that is on the radar for teams uh, to be signed going into Orlando. He didn't include Nick Young. I'm not sure why. Not not No love for Nick Young. And we're going as deep as Chris Chioza and John Conchar <laughs> on this list. But Nick Young gets zero love. There's Iman Shumpert on there. There's Trey Burke on there. Um, and then the biggest name is DeMarcus Cousins, right. who reportedly, according to Sham Sharanya, said, listen, I'm just going to sit this one out. I think it's better for me to start with a new team new season and not try and jump in here mid-season although his uh, agent came out and said hey if the opportunity is good he could (laughs) join a team before Orlando so who the heck knows but I think he should just wait it out too I think he's more likely to earn a bigger contract and we've seen him jump in and get hurt so I think he should just chill and and try and find a a spot because he's a guy that's he's just like a centerpiece of an offense you can't just throw him in like a a Jamal Crawford or Nick Young or whoever Right, and and we should note here, players who were based internationally and then did not have FIBA clearance to join the NBA at the time when the season was postponed, they're ineligible. You know, So um, I guess Miritich is a good example of this. Some some team can't pick him up because of this rule, just so everybody knows. So all those other guys, though, you can get them on your roster, and you got a little window here to sign them. I'm sure we'll get some over the next little while. Next email. Hey, Dunkies, since we're officially in the 20s, an interesting thought popped into my head. If you would have gone into a coma in 2010 and then woke up 10 years later, what are the NBA events you couldn't believe from the past decade? Kobe's death is a given. Peace from Ireland. That's from Dagger. Iceland. What did I say? You said Ireland. Is it Iceland or Ireland? It's Iceland. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's an Iceland. That's for sure. I've got a little Ireland on the brain. I'm reading about Merida, who's Scottish, but looks uh, Irish to me. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, Kobe's death, definitely a given, as he says. Um, The other one for me as a Raptors fan, if I had woken up and then you told me they won a title. Oh, yeah, they got one of the best players in the world to make it happen. I've been like, yeah, right. Um, But I'm guessing I fall into this unfortunate coma during the early months of 2010. you know, probably in the winter, some sort of snowboarding accident or something was involved. I wake up 10 years later, and then you tell me, Lee, that not only did LeBron James leave Cleveland, okay, all right, maybe, you know, that was a strong possibility at the time. Did he go to the Knicks? Where did he end up? No, he joined up with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade in Miami. He won a few titles, lost a few. Then he went back to Cleveland, okay? What? He went back there, where he would bring the city its first title in 50-plus years. After trailing 3-1 in the finals mm. against maybe, arguably, the greatest regular season team we've ever seen. You know, a 73-win Warriors team. And, oh yeah, after that, he goes to the damn Lakers 
And I just woke up from this coma, and he's still dominant and might win another title and is still one of the best players in the world. Mm. And I'm like, come on. Come on. That, it's, I, wouldn't, it's I wouldn't believe it. Yeah, I, it, I had very similar things. I would only add to that. Um, I did it actually after the decision I went to in a coma. And uh, it was after Dan Gilbert wrote that letter. And I was like, you wouldn't believe this. After he wrote all that crap and slagged off LeBron James, LeBron went back to Cleveland. Unbelievable. You would not believe that that happened. And not only, uh, you know, talking about the Raptors there, not only did they win a championship, but they've become like the Spurs. Right now, they have, after the Houston Rockets, if they win one playoff series in this bubble, they will have the uh, longest current, second current active playoff streak, assuming the Spurs don't make the playoffs, of course, because they're like at 22. And the Raptors will have the longest um, win streak of a playoff series in the NBA. So incredible. I mean, 10 years ago, you think the Raptors might not actually exist in 2020. It's possible. Chris <laughs> Bosch just left. Yeah. They, might, they might actually fold and go the way of the Memphis Grizzlies because it, it was bad. As soon as Bosch left, it was bad. And instead, they've turned it around to become the Spurs of, the, uh, Spurs of Canada. <laughs> Homer! Easy, Are you easy. kidding me? In 2010, you thought there was a chance the Raptors were going to fold? I think that I, I honestly thought like when Bosch left, it was like, this is the problem they're facing now. They've been in existence 15 years. Every time they get a little bit of hope, it always falls apart. And I just thought it's possible that this is just going to be the way and it's going to get to the point where people will be like, I don't even want to play for the Raptors and there's not much point in keeping them. Even though I know financially, financially they were a very profitable team, good for the league, but it was just going to be that sort of treadmill of like, Guys go there, and then ultimately they just leave because they don't feel they can win there. That's what I. That's what I suspected could have happened in 2010. Well, I gotta ask you, what were you saying about the playoff streak with the Spurs and the Rockets? What What do you? What What record would they have if if they so, win a playoff series? Yeah. So the the, the longest streak in uh, right now for consecutive seasons of winning a playoff series is the Golden State Warriors at five, but they're obviously not going to win one this year. The Raptors are second with four. So if they win one. They, well, in fact, they will have the longest streak because the Warriors are out, so the Raptors have the current run. If they win one playoff series, they will have won in five consecutive seasons, which is the longest. Mm. And the actual turning up, appearing in the playoffs, is obviously the Spurs at 22. The Warriors next at seven. They're not going to make it. The Rockets are tied at seven. So the Raptors, and the Blazers are also tied at six, but the Blazers might not make it. So the Raptors will be tied with the Rockets for the longest current <laughs> active playoff streak. There you go. Let's break it down, man. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, Trey, what about you? What would you have be shocked if you woke up? Um, Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. She's gonna sing the most famous anthem in the next ten years. Well, yeah. Don't think anybody would have picked that. How about uh, Dennis Rodman is gonna befriend North Korean dictators and become our only ambassador to that country? See, that one's maybe a little bit more believable. Uh, yeah, no, it's still crazy. How about ninja-style headbands? They were here for one year, and they were banned. We've never seen them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's bad. That's too bad. They should be back. They were cool. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did have... Uh, I, I, think, I thought LeBron, when he left, he would stay longer than four seasons in Miami. So it's still weird to me that it was only four years. Uh, I would say Russ having a triple-double in three straight seasons. Russ having a triple, averaging a triple-double mm-hmm. at all, anybody, yeah, yeah. Uh, is a shocker. Uh, Vince Carter playing in four decades, which is, you know, pretty sneaky. The 90s, the aughts, the teens, and the uh, the 20s. It's sneaky, but still, um, it's a cool stat to throw out there. 
Uh, and I, he he actually is uh, part of the Raptors playoff streak, right, Lee? They were making the playoffs back in uh, in the Vince Carter days, and they're still going. Hold on, I gotta hold on. I, I need a clarification. The Rockets have been in the playoffs <laughs> since twelve thirteen. Yeah, and the Raptors made it thirteen fourteen. Yeah, so the Rockets, yep. the Rockets will have the longest streak. The Raptors will have the second longest. Okay. The thing yeah, is, perfect. Lee was also he was talking about two different streaks yeah, yeah, within yeah. one. Yeah, but, I, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. I just, okay. just need to clarify. Yeah, the, it was a real so, Ireland Iceland situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see the Rocket, the Rockets, even though they've yeah, okay. been in the playoffs. Okay, they, no, they no, win no, the yeah, series. We get it. No, we get it. We absolutely okay. get it. It's they amazing. lost the series. Yeah. All right. Our next one, dear no dunkers. Every year we see the winners of conferences and then NBA finals receive t-shirts and caps and other championship apparel but I've always thought about the runners-up apparel that never was for example the Cavs versus Warriors in game seven of the finals there was surely Golden State championship merch sitting and waiting in case of a Warriors W where do you think it goes anyway given this thought if you could which winners apparel that never happened would you love to get your hands on thanks for the pods that's from KG in London Trey, what do you what do you think about this? And do you know where that stuff goes? It go, do they they sh- they do send it, right? Um, yeah, I think over, it's usually overseas. overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, personally, I want a 2013 Spurs championship shirt. You know, I think uh, that's the closest that a key- team has actually come to mm-hmm. winning. Maybe you could get a piece of the yellow rope thrown in with the shirt. People wouldn't really even notice that you're wearing a shirt that doesn't make sense because, you know, the Spurs won the title the very next year. Maybe they're like, oh, maybe I was mistaken. They won in 2013. (laughs) But it'd be great if it was also one of those caricature shirts because Tracy McGrady was on the Spurs in 2013. This would be a Tracy McGrady championship shirt if he's on the caricature. I would love to see that. That's a good one. What else? uh, What do you got, Lee? Uh, I've got the Detroit Pistons 1988 NBA champions because uh, that game, I don't know if you see, it was on Instagram recently. Isaiah Thomas goes for 43 when he hurts his ankle in game mm-hmm. six. Pistons are up 3-2 and they only lose game six by one point in game seven by three. But my God, some of the refereeing in game seven was awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Pistons really should have been, because the Lakers were the first team to win back-to-back championships in 19 years, it should have been the Pistons in 20 years when they went back-to-back in 1989, maybe even a three-peat 1990. So, yeah. Unfortunately, man, Isaiah rolls his ankle and he, you know, he's still okay, but he barely plays in game seven. And, uh, and the Lakers sure do get some home cooking from the refs in game seven to, uh, to win that championship. So the Pistons should have had it. Give me, give me a 93 Suns championship t-shirt or hat or something like that. Just for Barkley. <laughs> Just because, you know, it's always held over his head that he never got a title. <laughs> we hear it every week on TNT from, you know, Kenny or Shaq. Yeah, that'd be great. Just uh, just to have that shirt, maybe get Charles to sign it. That would make a lot of money off that, I think. Like So, 93 cents. Yeah, he would have had the uh, trifecta that season because the MVP, yeah. he would have won the championship, and he definitely was going to win finals MVP yeah. if the Bulls had won. So, yeah, something that... Uh, did, oh, yeah, Shaq did do that once, actually, didn't he? In 2000, I think. He was... Uh, when the Lakers beat the Pacers, he was MVP that season, and he was finals MVP. So, yeah, Shaq did it, but Kenny didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in your face, Kenny. <laughs> but did the Rockets make the playoff? Oh, uh, I would take uh, the New Jersey Nets. It would say back to back because they lost in '02 and '03 back to backs, and it'd be a picture of Matumbo wagging his finger. No, 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 we didn't win either season because uh, he was the center for that second team. It's sometimes easy to forget. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, and Todd McCullough would be playing pinball in the back of uh, Dikembe <laughs> Mutombo because that man loves pinball. Hopefully, he's still playing wherever he is. Next email here. What's up, so crunk crew? With so many restrictions placed on other activities in the hotel common areas, maybe reading becomes in vogue. Of the players headed to Orlando, who would start up a book club on the premises, and what books would they read? Stay hard, keep jamming. That's from Jonathan. Great question. Uh, The players want to keep awareness of the issues at hand, so I think this is a very good idea. Let's film these book club meetings, have some real conversations, have some tough conversations, edit them. I think it could be actually engaging. Yeah. Uh, for, force these guys let's let's bring it up right now they should be they should be reading their books right now they've got nothing to do let's have these have these talks uh, if the league wants to be on the forefront of healing let's 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 make it happen i think there's some uh, some guys who could lead some some uh some different types of books like kyle corver could lead a group of white fragility by robin d'angelo a book on why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism he's been talking about his white privilege for years you have white players black players in this group i think it would be phenomenal uh, i would watch that i think lebron could lead a group reading our time is now by stacy abrams a brand new book on the challenges many people have getting their votes counted because of the tactics we see employed right now all over the u.s the book offers a roadmap to get votes counted to get people out to give people hope and the fight it often takes to get that vote tallied and it's an important issue to lebron He'll embrace it because he just started an initiative called More Than a Vote to ensure people feel like they have a voice along with uh, the Chiefs' Patrick Mahomes to not be overwhelmed by the hurdles and processes of voter suppression. Hey, let's try some stuff. There's no weirder setting than Orlando in this bubble thing. And, and I literally think these guys um, can be on the forefront. I think I think it would be phenomenal. if you And if you tell them that, hey, we're going to edit it, we'll make sure everything is cool, uh, it could be it could be engaging. I would yeah. watch it. I'd love to mediate it. I'd love to have some. I'd love to be a part of it. So get these guys reading right now. Let's get the MBPA and the NBA talking about this. It's a great idea, Jonathan. Yeah, that is that's an awesome idea. Um, I'll just add to that just because what I'm reading now, and I throw reading in air quotes because I'm cheating and I'm doing the audiobook version. When you listen to an audiobook. Can you say you're reading the book? Yes. Yeah? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Of course well, you can. I, Don't be ridiculous. It's right. going well, into your me. brain. I am reading uh, Dr. Kendi's Stamped from the Beginning, uh, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. This is on um, free, I think, available on Spotify as an audiobook. Um, I tweeted it out a while ago. It won 2016's National Book Award. It is such an intricate look uh, at the history of race in America. And it's written in a way that's actually accessible to the non-academic types like me too. Um, it's just super eye-opening. So much I had no clue about. So yeah, throw that on your, in your book club there, Tass. That one, I mean, he's got a, a lot of fantastic books, Dr. Kendi does. But uh, this one is, it's just, it's eye-opening. It's its incredible. Um, so that is, uh, that's one I would have in this idea, which I love, Tass, to, to make this sort of like a, some sort of like television or online thing of these guys doing a little book club down there. Yeah, it'd be awesome to have that the players leading it, but it's also, you know, spaced out as a week-to-week thing so that people at home could actually follow along. Yeah. I would suggest A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn so you can know the long-standing history of all of these issues that we've been seeing, the systemic racism, police brutality, 
uh, the way unions were formed and how they've been used against workers, all things that are very applicable today that have been applicable since the founding of this country. Um, but Skeets, I did try to listen to Stamped from the beginning. I signed up for Spotify. I do think you need to have a premium account, though, because Ooh. apparently when you listen on the free plans, it's all shuffled, which can be a little confusing for a book on tape. Oh, that's oh, that's horrible. <laughs> you, can't, you honestly couldn't do it because even the one, yeah, I guess, I mean, I do have a Spotify account, so I guess it's working that way. Um, it's like, I think it's like 300 plus... Um, you know, audio files <laughs> because yeah. they're not that they're not that long um, each one, but it flows like one into the other, so it doesn't matter. You just throw it on, and then you're you're obviously listening to the book. But that would be very very confusing with three hundred of them all shuffled around. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I was like, man, there's no way this book starts with chapter fifty two. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Okay, well, we'll we'll talk off. Uh, off podcast here. Maybe I can hook you up with, uh, maybe get you on my family plan, Trey. You're like, oh, thanks, <laughs> Uncle Skeets. Or you could just buy the book. Or it's you could buy the book. Also true. <laughs> yeah, that's true, JD. Anyway, it's fine. I, I've never done an audiobook. This is my first audiobook ever. Wow. I'm freaking loving it. It's you great. Know, you go for a run, throw it on. You're doing some gardening out there, getting my browns and my greens going on, learning at the same time. It's great. It's great. What about you, Lee? Any other suggestions? Well, I think with the Lopez brothers both being there, obviously in Orlando, uh, Harry Potter would be great. I think then you could, um, you know, get people to act out parts of the stories after they uh, after they get through each book. So, you know, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I thought you were going to say, like a comic book club with those guys. <laughs> well, the other one I was thinking of is an adaption of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe called The King, the Freak, and the Bubble, and uh, you know. <laughs> documenting their time down there but that's more like a diary rather than a book so oh we figured out lee's second book that he's going to be writing after you're done your biography yeah you exactly write that one. yeah right, great yeah, ideas yeah. all right next one g'day dunkaroos in last week's sandy beach session double pluggers were brought up and the lee man mentioned it was a new south wales name for thongs this came as a surprise to me thinking that double pluggers was common knowledge of most Aussies. The term comes from the thongs themselves being plugged twice for extra strength, mobility, and endurance, Lee. Um, <laughs> the first step to buying a new pair of thongs is checking if they are double plugged, as it poses less chance of blowing a tire. <laughs> you know what blowing a tire is, Lee, I assume? Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you lose one of the, like, if it comes out, I guess, right. of the thong. Yeah, right, yeah. right. That's why the double pluggers, I guess, is very yeah. important. You know, less less likely to blow a tire there. Anyway, mm. the question is, what's something you always thought was common knowledge, only to find it wasn't so common? Turn up, love meat pies, ah, yum. Regards, <laughs> that's from Josh in Adelaide. Okay, so double pluggers are just these souped-up versions of flip-flops, thongs, whatever the hell you want to call them. Um, he thought yeah, it was common knowledge, yeah. He sent a photo as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, uh, it, I definitely, after seeing the photo, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I've seen these, and I sort of vaguely remember someone calling them once upon a time when I was in Australia, double pluggers, but, yeah, they're still flip-flops to me, damn it. Uh, but, Trey, what do you got for this question? Saw this going around on Twitter last week, but apparently most people are not aware that the fuel gauge on your car tells you which side your gas tank is on. <laughs> mm. 
just got like a picture of a you know like a gas dispenser what what are those called when you go up to the gas station a gas dispenser a gas hose a gas nozzle whatever that thing is it's got one of those and it's got an arrow the arrow points to which side your gas tank is on you don't have to be sticking your head out to figure out which side that little tiny door is right it took me a while to know that i have to admit i didn't find that out until like Mm. six years ago Well, you weren't driving as much back then. No, in the I day. know. That's true. I was not a driver as a young lad. I didn't have a car for a long time. But yeah, I, like, I always wondered, like, how do you know what side it's on? And then, uh, yeah, you, find, you see that little arrow. You're like, that's great. That's perfect. Yeah, it was a great idea. It's a lot easier than having to memorize the location for every single car you might ever drive to a gas yeah. station. <laughs> but gas pumps are pretty innovative, though. The, the pump, the hose is long enough that even if you do it, if you park on the wrong side, you can still get it over there. <laughs> you like to go over the top uh, with it. Some yeah. of them. Some of them. I've had it once before where I couldn't reach. <laughs> I screwed up once. I had a rental, I remember. I took it to Stratford and uh, pulled up to get some gas. I exactly. I can, I can picture the gas station I was at. And I'm like, oh, damn. I pulled up the wrong side. It was cold out. It was like in the winter. I was like, ah, I don't want to move it. And uh, I tried to reach Tass, and it, and it didn't. I don't know. Maybe the maybe the hoses are shorter in Stratford. I don't know. <laughs> you don't want to get a swan's neck caught up in those. <laughs> I thought it was universally known that this Friday, I'm picking a day here, this Friday versus next Friday, we all knew what we were talking about. When I say this Friday, it means the next one on the calendar. It could mean two days from now. It could mean four days from now. It could mean five days from now. But it's the next one. But when you say next Friday... It's not two days from now. It's the second Friday. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's, right. s- some people don't. Some people will say next Friday as in two days from now. Yeah. I think that's actually a U.S. thing, I find. I found that in, in the U.S. only where that's where people get confused if, if, for that reason. If I say, hey, I'm doing something next Friday, they, they mean, oh, okay, in a couple of days' time. And I'm like, that's no, that, great. that, that's would, crazy. that, that would be Friday. Not next Friday. <laughs> How many times have the Rockets made the playoffs on next Friday? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Tess. I'm always a... Uh, yeah, next Friday means next week, man. Not, yeah. not two days from now if it's a Wednesday and you're saying next Friday. That's this Friday. That's Friday. <laughs> well, what do they say for next Friday then? The following Friday? Yeah, Ooh. I think that's it. Yeah. Two Fridays from now, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did Uh, these people put a man on the moon? It just boggles the mind. Uh, Did they? Did they? (laughs) Wasn't on a Friday. Uh, What about you, Lee? What's something you thought was common knowledge, only to find it maybe wasn't? You know the uh, FedEx sign? You know the arrow in the FedEx sign? Yep. Yeah. I I do. Yeah. Does everybody know that? (laughs) Yeah. Just that it's there? Yeah, but it's there on purpose. It's not like yeah. accident. Yeah. There's a lot of like logos like that, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. Um, you know, you it's didn't like, really maybe notice it at first or something. Yeah, but it's like, you know, moving forward. Let's, let's sort of, that's the implication. Like, you know, we're on the, yeah. we're, we're always moving. Yeah. But Your some package people will like, be delivered next Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? Is that two days or nine days from now? <laughs> yeah. But some people think it's just like a coincidence. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's, yeah, that's how the, they designed the it. The one that always blew my mind, Tassa, you can probably speak to this even better than I can because I know I'm going to butcher it, but like the Expos logo, Montreal mm. Expos team, and like... It's a good one. Like for the longest time, 
I just didn't see the stuff in the logo. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's tough sort of to describe. But if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I've got a different answer for this. Um, I thought growing up in Canada, and this was just me being naive as a Canadian, I guess. I just thought I thought ketchup chips were just like everywhere. I just thought they were like like why wouldn't they be? They're great flavor. It's not like ketchup doesn't exist in other parts of the world, you know, especially, I'm, t- I'm of course talking especially mainly about America. And it's just like, I couldn't believe it when I found out that like they were not a thing for the most part. <laughs> and it's like never still, it still doesn't even make sense to me. Like why, why? Did they test them in the States and people were like, <laughs> they didn't like it? That doesn't make any sense. They love ketchup down here. And probably, they probably consume more ketchup in the States than they do in Canada for crying out loud. Love chips too. Yeah, that one's a yeah. mystery. Also, mystery. how is poutine not more popular in the United States? It's cheese, fries, and gravy. Yeah. Those are like three yeah. massive successes here in the United States of America. You put them together, and people are like, "What? Wet fries? No thanks." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And it's like it is poutine. You could even, I guess, maybe argue. Okay, I don't know if I'd want to be having poutine down here in the south when it's humid as hell and it's like thirty-five degrees Celsius. You know, whatever. But there's tons of cold. Uh, states where it's like, yeah, that should be popping off. Poutine, you're right. There's a lot of stuff like that. JD, do you have anything? Um, yeah, I, w- I once made a, a comment on the show back in the starters day that, uh, and I thought everybody knew this or was aware of this, that uh, Mother Teresa was a sadist and uh, got a lot of blowback for that. <laughs> yeah. So apparently people weren't aware of her... Uh, uh, of the, of that view of her because uh, you know i i sort of walk through life assuming i'm i'm an ignorant person and i'll read something and i'll and i'll just go okay now i'm up to speed with everybody else so i read an article by christopher hitchens about about how uh how she was you know she basically ran a death cult out there in calcutta and uh you know people took offense and um i thought it was common knowledge but no it's not people love her did you show? <laughs> did you share the article with uh, with everybody? I did. I tweeted it, and I guess I'll probably have to tweet it again after this. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right, we got a lot more questions still to answer, but before we do, let's pop some gummies. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable and easy to take on the go. The specially formulated CBD products with vitamins can help out in all sorts of ways. Whether you're just chilling out on a Sunday afternoon watching TV or relaxing with friends, or maybe you need to keep your composure and concentrate on something that really does matter to you, either way, Sunday Scaries can be good for you. Sunday Scaries has become a leading CBD brand for millennials. Last year, Sunday Scaries CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes, Men's Health, Allure and Best Products. Sunday Scaries recently launched Cabin Scaries to promote social distancing and responsible isolation. A portion of sales will be donated to BEAP, that's the Bartender Emergency Assistance Program, to help displaced hospitality workers. Get 25% off your first order with the code NODUNKS at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter code NODUNKS where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might be best for you. So go to sundayscaries.com and use code NODUNKS. All right, next one here. Hey, Dim Sums. Long-time listener, second-time emailer. 
I was re-listening to a podcast from a while back, and Lee talked about socks and shoes, his two pet fish. I'm a big fish guy. I keep a couple of fish. My oldest fish is around five years old. Whenever someone asks me if I keep pets, I always say fish. And they always say fish aren't pets, just like skeets. I strongly believe that fish count as pets. So my question is, what do you strongly believe in that other people think is completely bogus? That's from TJ, uh, all the way from Osaka, Japan. Mm, mm, I mean, mm. well, did you consider socks and shoes your, your fish pets? Um, pets, <laughs> Lee? Yeah, I mean, certainly mum and dad did because that was the only thing I was going to get as an animal for a pet. They weren't going to give me a dog or a cat. So they're like, yeah, you got a pet. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, right, I've got a pet, you know, but uh, we didn't we didn't have a long time together, old uh, shoes and socksy. They, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think I drowned them, which is pretty impossible to drown a fish, but I think I did. Um but uh, this is a great question because it really it's it's kind of what conspiracy theory do you believe, really, isn't it? So I, I was thinking about this yesterday and I was like... Well, we already I, found out which one you believe in. <laughs> <laughs> on the moon. Yeah, well, that's one, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then I thought about, you know, the Patrick Ewing, the frozen envelope. You know, I think that definitely happened or something like that happened. Okay. Um, one that I think has happened in the last four or five years, I think, is that uh, Corona has actually sold out and made their beer taste worse. Cheap, they've used cheaper ingredients um, because they know they've got such a big market share and people just drink it anyway because you put the lime in and they think, oh, yeah, it's great. So that's one of them. But wait, the wait, one wait, that wait, I- wait, 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 wait. Hold yeah. Hold on. I just want to clarify that one. Yeah. You're saying, you're saying <laughs> that... <laughs> Because Corona, the, the beer got so popular that they were like, yes. they just started mailing it in on their yep. ingredients in making the beer. So, in fact, the beer is actually much worse than it used to be, but it doesn't matter because they're like, who cares? We're such a yeah. brand now. Exactly. That's what's happened. They, they, they've got people into believing that Corona is a great beer because it used to be. But now it tastes, it's very Americanized like a Bud Light or a Budweiser where it just tastes like water. That's incredible. Yeah, but you put the lime in there. I think what's happened is they realized they could make more money because their profit margins were, you know, were good. But now they're making them bigger because people are just fooled into believing it's the same Corona. And I don't think it is. I think it's crap. So so they're saving money because they're not putting some of these... Uh, former ingredients in, right? Is that yeah, yeah, they're using cheaper ingredients, so they've right. increased their profit margin. You know, but and but I'm onto them. I'm onto them because I can't drink a Corona anymore. It's like they taste like crap. They just taste so watered down now. So you know, that's one theory. Anyway, the big one, the big one, <laughs> the big one that I strongly believe is is true that other people think is completely bogus is that Prince Harry is not Prince Charles's son. He is, there's no question in my right. mind that Prince Harry is the son of an affair that Princess Diana had with James Hewitt back in the day. Because look at William. He looks like Prince Charles. He's growing into Prince Charles. Look at Harry. He's got nothing, nothing like Prince Charles in him. So Prince Harry is not technically a member of the royal family. That's why it's also easier for him to bust away like he has done now and form his own life because the Queen's like... Yeah, well, he's not really one of ours anyway, is he? So uh, let him go. <laughs> we got to start just a conspiracy podcast with Lee. Yeah. Oh, man. He's a bastard. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he is. He is technically. I mean, you, you look at... You look at um, technically. <laughs> well, yeah, you look at William and Harry, and you tell me if there's any similarities between them physically. There's just well, nothing. 
Well, There's come nothing. on. It's kind of. It's, uh, do your kids look like you? Can you see your kids in you? Sometimes yes. it's. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes okay, but look at my know. look at my two boys, and you tell me they're not got the same breeding. You look at Harry and uh, and <laughs> William. <laughs> <laughs> I said breathing for a second. I'll tell you, my man, boys tell, breathe exactly. Well, like you know, and also, where does the red hair come from in the in the Windsor family? Nowhere, nowhere. So and, who? Uh, so who is it, Lee? It's James Hewitt. That's his dad yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. no question about it. And and also, Harry has de- like they've always denied it. There's the easiest way in the world to confirm it. Take a DNA test. Someone take a DNA test and bang, then you got your answer. If I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. But it's so easy to prove who's his father right now. We could do that. We could do that in five seconds, you know? So there you go. By the way, I don't blame Princess Diana. Why would she want to stay in that family? Crazy family, you know? Like she was a prisoner. So, you know, and Prince Charles was in love with Camilla the whole time anyway. So, uh, you know. Harry's You've followed bad. this stuff, eh? You read yeah, the ranks? Yeah, yeah. My mum used to be a huge royal fan. So I sort of, yeah. you know, by default, I, I, you know, knew all about it. And Princess Diana was like, you know, everyone loved her and she was great, of course. Um, but Prince Charles was a prick. He is a prick. I mean, so, you know, okay. he never loved her. He was always in love with Camilla the whole time. <laughs> okay, anybody else got an answer to this? Oh, that was fantastic. Well, I mean, actually hearing that now, Lee, I can't believe you undersold this Loch Ness Monster thing. That is the Loch Ness Monster. And you were just like, yeah, sure it is. But I guess when you've got these extreme beliefs, seeing the Loch Ness Monster again after 50 years is no big deal. People are trying to say it's a sturgeon. Come on. (laughs) Easy way there is just to go fishing, you know, see if you can pull it in. Yeah, a quick DNA test to see if it is the Loch Ness Monster indeed. Five seconds. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, what I strongly believe in is that Corona has actually improved their ingredients, has made their beer better because their sales were struggling because people associated the coronavirus with Corona. Their their sales went way down, so they have improved their beer. Well, you know, it tastes better. It tastes fantastic. No lime needed, Lee. <laughs> I think what's what's happened with your Corona situation is that your palate's changed, man. You just you just don't taste beer the same way. Beer tastes I, different to you. I think you're on the payroll there, Tassie. There's no question about it in my mind. Well, they need no. some help. So. No, because listen, listen. Like 10, 15 years ago in the summer, it was the drink everyone drunk, Corona. Now you try to drink one, and I'm telling you, halfway through it, you're like, this doesn't even taste like anything anymore. The it lime t- can't save it. But what? It but tastes what exactly if it the tasted same. exactly no, the same? No. Why? Why couldn't that be a possibility? And it's like Tass is saying, you just were enjoying it more, be it in the setting, you were being younger, your palate, whatever. That that's changed. No, because I used to be able to drink it, and you could taste it. And now I just feel like again, it, it's this is a problem. As I was saying with Budweiser and Bud Light, they just taste like nothing halfway yeah, through, and right, it's like. Right. And that, that's the same with Corona. So I think there's some sort of conspiracy going on there between them. They're like, listen, people don't care. They'll drink anything, obviously. So just give them, give them the cheaper stuff and uh, keep charging the same amount. In fact, charge more. What's it? It's like 10 bucks for a, a Corona out in Vegas for one bottle. By the way, yeah, like every beer. And remember when, hey, Skeets and JD, remember when you used to order those buckets of Corona? Yeah, but they give you the smaller bottles too, but they charge you the same amount. So <laughs> yeah, they, well, yeah, they know when you're, in, when you're in Vegas, that's right. They're like, oh, these guys don't care at all about the quality. Just give them the crap and they'll drink it and they'll drink it up and they'll go to work half cut sometimes. 
<laughs> it was How early. It was early. <laughs> and those two mini bottles of Corona were not doing good for the uh, nine o'clock show we were doing in Vegas that night. Oh man, you're 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 a fascinating character, uh, JD. You got anything? I can't top any of that. No. Yeah, I know. Same here. I was gonna say that the greatest movie of all time is Rad. <laughs> anyway, like next email. Hey, yes, layup lines. I used to be a team attendant for the Bucks otherwise known as a ball boy. Before the game, I would help rebound for the players, and during the game, I would give them their necessities, such as drinks, towels, etc. In a preseason game against the Mavericks, Dirk requested my assistance pregame. He wanted me to pass the ball into the post while he posted up an assistant coach. Very nervously, I passed him the ball into the post, just like he wanted, for about 10 minutes. After, he gave me a firm slap on my ass and said, Thanks, dude. Later during the game, I sat on the end of the bench on top of a cooler. Sitting right next to me at the end of the bench was none other than Dirk. I stupidly wanted to take a picture of him because he don't sit next to a Hall of Fame player every day. He turned around and noticed me taking a picture. I was now even more nervous than I was when I was passing him the ball earlier. He then said, That's not my good angle, but I'll let it slide because you gave me some great passes. I felt honored and also very relieved he wasn't mad and said, Thank you. And we continued talking the rest of the game. The next time he was in Milwaukee, he specifically asked me again to pass him the ball in the post and even gave me his autograph and a sizable tip after the game. It truly was one of the greatest things to happen to me at that job. And uh, Joel, who sent this email in, also sent in a picture of the the photo and the autograph just to make it authentic here. Yeah. And And I did my homework put up uh, a zoomed in, put up a magnifying glass, looked authentic. Uh, This got me thinking. You guys have been around players frequently. What has been your favorite interaction with an NBA player not from your home or team? That's from Joel. Tass, having seen the picture, was it not Dirk's good side? (laughs) No, it was his his ugly side. He He does have a good side. I think the right side of his face is a good side. We all do, man. We all do. We all do. My left side is my, is my good side, personally. But uh, um, we've told a lot of stories about uh, interactions with players uh, throughout the throughout the years. One of my favorites uh, was when Eddie House came to visit the studio, and he was just chatting us up uh, pre-show and, you know, just asking the basic questions. You guys got any kids? I'm like, yeah, I got two. He's like, boys or girls? Like, I got two daughters uh, working, trying to have a boy. And he goes, <laughs> You got to get gangster to produce a boy. I was like, whoa! <laughs> Thanks for the tip, Eddie House. Oh, and I we didn't went. ask for him to elaborate, but, you know, it's a good tip. Then we were going, uh, we were in commercial, or, yeah, we were about to come on with Eddie House, so it was like five seconds before we were going on. He's like, you got to get gangster, man. I'll tell you later. <laughs> Well, I guess I got gangster twice. Double <laughs> <Couple> gangster. <laughs> I read a good book about that, actually. Maybe it could be part of the book club, How to Have a Boy. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. It's like there's like a 99% success rate if you just read this book. Mm. Just wait, kidding. Wait, are you kidding? Okay, yeah. Well, it's not 99%, but people people will read it and believe it. Oh, well, the problem for me was I tried to listen to it on Spotify, and it shuffled up all the chapters, so I got totally confused. Uh, My answer for this is Brent Berry, and I picked him because, 
like Trey's saying, there's so many guys we could pick from that we had on the starter show or got a chance to interview through the show. Um, but Brent Barry was before all of that. Yeah, he had his own segment eventually on our show, The Bone Zone. But Brent Barry, during the lockout in 2011, um, you know, he sort of had found out that he was somewhat of a fan. And then there was interest that he maybe would come on our San Antonio show. And we weren't 100% sure whether that was going to happen and all that. But in a hotel conference room in San Antonio while we were on this no season required tour doing these live podcasts. Brent Berry showed up, man, and was fantastic. He was so awesome. Um, so that one's really special to me because, again, that's like, that's pre-us being anything, really, of any sort of, you know, popularity and having our own show and stuff like that. All these other guys are coming in. Sometimes the car wash, they're doing other shows. And, and they wanted to be on and they were all awesome. But Brent Berry was ahead of the game, man. He saw something in us. And he's just a cool-ass guy. So I'll go Bones. <laughs> most of them were awesome. I wouldn't go all of them were awesome. Yeah, most of them. Most no, of I'm just them. kidding. 99% just... of them were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I jump in there with a, a guy who was, uh, you know, sort of early as well. Um, we met Big Baby Davis in Orlando at All-Star Weekend 2012. And um, through a, a PR person said, hey, we want Big Baby Davis to come and basically do this bit with us because I look like his teammate Hito Turgaloo. We want Big Baby Davis to dance. And somehow Big Baby Davis agreed to that. <laughs> and and he showed up and it was just me, him, and JD without any music. And JD <laughs> just asked him, hey man, just just dance. And then just copy Tass's <laughs> dance. And we were dancing on the sidewalk with no music and a box of pizza and Big Baby Davis was wearing a shirt with his face on it, and it was uh, it was something. It was like it a was something. whole <laughs> afternoon of of just wandering around this Florida resort, and him he was you were on his shoulders at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think I injured him. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know how he bought into it, JD. Maybe it was you and your. Uh, and your hat that you were wearing that day. <laughs> oh, I missed that hat. And we and didn't we end up on a golf course and security came and then security ended up helping us with the video like they like you and him were on the security guards golf cart driving away or something? Yeah. Is that, that how it ended? That definitely was a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Snuck that one in there. Crazy. Yeah. We used to be gorilla, man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Lee? Yeah, I, I would say a little bit like Joel. Anytime I've been on a court with uh, NBA or former NBA players and I've been shooting around and, you know, I start off obviously rebounding for them and throwing the ball out. But then if I get a couple of shots up and I make a few in a row, it's always pretty cool to do that in front of, you know, former All-Stars or former Hall of Famers or current Hall of Famers. Um, and last year in Melbourne... When Team USA was out there, you know, I got to do a feature with Tim Hardaway and then one with Alan Houston. And, and the same thing happened with those guys. You know, they start shooting around. You rebound, then they miss, and then you go out and knock a few in. And they're like, ooh, nice shot, man, nice shot. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. You know, like especially Alan Houston, you know, like one of the smoothest shooters of all time. He was sort of like complimenting me on knocking in a couple. Like, it, it's awesome. And also the thing with Alan Houston was, you know, we, we did a little um, a video, like a little feature, and he wasn't shooting and then we had some time afterwards and so I just threw him the ball just to see if he'd shoot it and he was kind of reluctant but then he knocked one in and then he knocked a couple in and then he started getting hot and you could just see he was like I'm happy to just keep here keep stay here shooting with you all afternoon if you want and I was like yeah me too me too let's do it smooth so um it was uh yeah those sorts of things are always pretty cool for me 
<laughs> yeah, you say it was uh, more of a compliment that Alan Houston said that liked your shot because he's such a good shooter. Is there a player who has such an ugly jump shot that if they complimented you, you'd be like, ugh, no thanks, <laughs> no thanks, oh, no way, wow. Sean Marion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, it's interesting. There was a story on uh, Jaron Jackson. I can't remember who who did it uh, recently. How Jaron Jackson's an incredible shooter, but he has not got a pretty shot for a young guy. Um, but I'm trying to think of who's who, you know, older guy who's got an ugly shot. Um, I mean, Popeye Jones, he did not have a pretty shot at all. <laughs> oh, just warming up with Popeye Jones? I was going to ask what side's uh, the good side for Popeye Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. JD, I guess your answer is it Matt Barnes? Is that your favorite interaction with an NBA player? You love Matt Barnes. Have I interacted with him? Oh, we did a video. I, was, I wasn't at that shoot. You weren't at that shoot? No. What? No. I think oh. Matt shot that one, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I was sorry. editing. Sorry. Yeah. Um, my favorite, uh, uh, Bones is up there, Big Baby's up there, but uh, the day we spent with Benny the Bill was pretty awesome. Like, uh, <laughs> running around the United Center, just basically doing bits. Like, the bit was you guys were hallucinating, so it was just this hallucinogenic fever dream featuring Benny the Bull and he was awesome his assistant Todd was awesome and we just got it was just like shooting bit after bit after bit and he'd come up with ideas we'd come up with ideas and uh, it was just a it was a joy to work with him that day I was early on the tour when I was still happy (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that was the first first stop wasn't it in Chicago yeah yeah. I think, yeah, the best part was Todd doing the, the cartwheel later in the night. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Todd had a couple tiny Coronas and did a cartwheel and fell on a glass table so it didn't shatter. That was awesome. Yeah, that, that was a fun shoot. That's a funny, funny video, too. Yeah. That's what that is. It's a weird video, but very, very It's funny. one of our weirder ones, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, a couple more here. Next one, hello layups only, baby. With this week's squad episode, and with the NBA at least preparing to return to play in the Disney Complex, I have a goofy question for you. Pun fully intended. If you had to be one of the characters that walk around the Disney parks, which one would you pick and why? Thanks for all the laughs you've provided over the last few months. It's been greatly appreciated. That's from Doug in Pittsburgh. I'll go first. Um, Give me Olaf. I love Olaf from Frozen. Oh, kind-hearted, wise-cracking snowman. Everybody, I feel like kids love Olaf. You're going to take a lot of photos. It's fine. I I actually struggled with this. I was like, on one hand, do I pick the worst Disney character that no one would want to bother me and take photos with me? Or if I'm just doing this for for a day, would I want to have fun and be in all these photos and be silly? So I went with that way. I'll go Olaf. What do you guys got? Yeah, I went the opposite way, and I want my distance at, yeah. during this time. So I went with Marida from Brave. Uh, number one, because she's a badass, and number two, because she uses a bow and arrow. And I would just keep my distance with people, shoot them, shoot <laughs> them up, people off. No, thank you. I need my distance. But she, she is great, and I love her, and I love her fiery red hair. She's a great character. <laughs> oh yeah, Brave is great. Um, Skeets, you actually changed my mind on my pick. Originally, I was going Tigger because that is the the guy who I was always most excited to see if I ever went to Disney World. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that at Disney World he has a black nose, even though he has a pink nose in every other picture you're going to see of Tigger. But something our cameraman Rick taught us is that kids are gonna kick you in the nuts if you're a character. And looking at the costume that they have for Olaf at Disney World, 
there's a lot of protection down there. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a humongous ball yep. of snow for your base there. So I'm actually switching to Olaf as well for protection. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, I'll be Olaf from Frozen 1. You be Olaf from Frozen <laughs> Excellent. 2. Excellent, yeah. Lee, what do you got? Does, does the Lion King count as a Disney um, you know, movie, characters? Yeah, okay. Yep. So I'm going a bit like Tass. I'm going with Scar because no one would want to come up and get a photo taken with Scar. <laughs> so uh, I think you'd have a pretty easy day. You'd just be standing around and kids would be like, nah, where's Simba? Give me Simba. Give me Mufasa. Scar, no thanks. Sweet. <laughs> there's no way there's an actual Scar mascot walking around <laughs> Disney World. I hope there is. But yeah. No JD? Yeah, uh, I, a little bit of a cheat, but Boba Fett for me. Same same reason, just the intimidation factor. Just don't don't come near me. You know, you're carrying a, a, a blaster, and all you do is basically nod at people. You don't really have to say <laughs> right. anything, and it's right. just the most badass Star Wars costume there yeah. is. Yeah, I think this could backfire on you, JD, because my eight year old loves him. And right. uh, he loves the costume. So, you know, obviously he loves Darth as well. But uh, if he sees Boba Fett there, man, he's like, i got to get a photo. I yeah, have but to. he's not kicking Boba Fett. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't mind taking pictures. <laughs> Just right, don't right, kick yeah. me. You just got to stand there and cross your arms. <laughs> That's right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like you're holding a longboard with your son. Exactly. <laughs> All right, final email here. Hey, no little dunklings. I just wanted to say you guys do a masterful job of addressing the world's problems while still keeping things light and silly. In the interest of keeping things silly, I wanted to share my useless knowledge with the world. There's a certain level of excitement that comes with attempting to cultivate the perfect no-dunks email. A good fan email, in my opinion, has a borderline cheesy intro that may elicit a chuckle from TK. (laughs) You got one. You then (laughs) properly state your fandom level of the show with a quick note on how much you appreciate these guys. A personal touch about your own experiences that segues nicely into your question is always welcomed. Speaking of the question, oh, the question. This is where the emailer earns their stripes. You got to hit the question right. Here are a few avenues you can take. One, full send with the humor. This type of question is usually rhetorical and if done right, can get quite the laugh from the lads. Side note, getting the guys to laugh at my email question is up there with my graduation as the proudest moment of my life. (laughs) Two, an insightful question that the gang might be genuinely curious and interested to hear the other takes on. Uh, Who says no is a perfect example of these questions. Or three, a relevant question. This method is asking a question that might not be the most interesting to answer, but is just relevant enough that the guys would include it so that they can discuss the relevant topic. For example, it's mid-February, Dame is going off with crazy 50-point explosions, a simple, what do you guys think Dame's chances of winning MVP are goes a long way? Let's be real. The question isn't great. Is it interesting? Meh. Is there a chance Dame wins it? No. Why ask it? Because it hits that sweet spot of being a tad too extreme for the guys to bring in organically into their normal show, but still a way for them to talk about Damien even though the Blazers are struggling. So send it and hope you're lucky. There you have it. Follow these rules and in time, you will hear those magical words. All right, next question here from Murad. 
<laughs> on the other hand, the first email of mine No Dunks ever read on their podcast was one I sent stoned as hell, where I mixed up Tass's newborn baby Noah with Skeets's partner Nora. So what the hell do I know? Seven up, not Sprite. Condoms. That's for Murad. Mo, Mo, and, Mo Radical, I think he goes by. Um, <laughs> Mo, well, he, he sent a sign off once that was uh, mowing the streets, rat in the sheets, or something. To that. <laughs> well, he didn't follow the other rule. Keep it Keep short. It yeah. <laughs> but uh, a well well written email, and he made some great points. I was nodding along with some of those mm-hmm. rules, especially the uh, the one about. Like the relevant question is such a good one. Like it might be sort of a dumb question, but it's a nice way to like slip in a relevant topic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, using the Lillard, for example. That's a. It's true. That's true. Yeah, and another thing that's caught on, which Morad did, but which he didn't mention as a thing, is the Clipper Bros salutations have really picked up steam in yep. you know the past couple of months. His is seven up, not Sprite condoms. We've had a lot of great ones. People are going deep in their rhymes. Mm. Yeah, who started that? I would love to know who the first person to switch up the turn up love you guys awesome was because it took off after that because we Definitely. had a good laugh about it we're like oh that's great and then everybody started doing it and i love it <laughs> for some reason it's so stupid i love it all right well let's end it there a comment not a question from <laughs> yeah. i love it keep those cues and comments coming email us no dunks at theathletic.com. tweet them in at no dunks inc hashtag no dunks if you're catching this early enough here on Wednesday, Lee's popping a pack. Yes, on a Wednesday. Though don't worry, it goes up to our Instagram page. We sort of archive it there. So he'll be popping packs with a four-time all-star later today. Mm-hmm. So check that out at No Dunks Inc. on Instagram. Don't forget to grab yourself a new No Dunks t-shirt at nodunks.com. All proceeds from our latest shirt going to Black Lives Matter. So go cop one of those if you haven't already. Till next time, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you can't call a coach an all-star, but Lee Ellis sure does. (laughs) Embrace the day, people.